So welcome to the New Street X podcast. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Sean Keith, who is a Senior Director of Business Development at Mythical Games, a next-generation game technology studio that believes in player ownership of digital assets and integrated secondary marketplaces. They're looking to disrupt the traditional gaming market. Now, Sean has had a long career at the intersection of gaming and blockchain with a particular level of expertise and experience in Asia. He's previously VP of Business Development at BitGuild, and also a foreign service officer for the U.S. State Department. Tony, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, my background, <laughs> I've been over the, throughout lots of different areas of work. You know, I worked for government, then I worked for gaming. I even did IP licensing for Fox for a while, payments. Most recently, I've been in blockchain and gaming, the intersection of blockchain and gaming through BitGuild and now Mythical Games. I love technology. I love video games. I love travel and other cultures. And so I feel blockchain is an amazing space. It takes us all over the world. And fortunately, uh, yeah, it's led me here to Mythical. At Mythical, I'm currently the Senior Director of Business Development. Uh, I talk to a lot of third-party game developers about licensing out our Mythical platform. I guess taking a step back a little bit about Mythical first, for those of you who don't know, don't know Mythical. We're a blockchain gaming company founded in 2018. We were founded by game industry veterans that had worked on billion-dollar franchises. They had seen firsthand how players were going to gray markets or secondary marketplaces outside of the game and transacting items. And they felt that instead of fighting these players who had this very real need to trade, they wanted to actually bring them in, legitimize these secondary marketplaces, make an integrated part of the experience, the gaming experience, uh, and also as a developer, capture some of the revenue from those transactions. And so that's what Mythical Games was started out as. Fast forward three or four years uh, to now, and we have a AAA game called Blanco's Block Party. Very colorful, very fun. A lot of you have probably seen it. But more importantly, Myth Blanco's Block Party is a proof of concept game that's allowed us to develop what we call the mythical engine. That is the blockchain and NFT economy technology that supports everything that runs the game. And we spend a lot of time building that. We'll get into a little bit later probably about what that entails. But uh, right now, I'm actively trying to find external game developers that are interested in bringing blockchain and game blockchain and NFT game economies into their games. Uh, and then we, we would license our tech to them. Yeah, no, this, this is a very exciting time for the blockchain gaming space. There's so much going on. I know Mythical has raised a lot of money, which we'll talk about in, in a second too. A lot of, and as, as we're entering 2022, as we're recording this, you know, this is gonna be a big year for all these different industries that we're covering. Now, maybe before we get into some of the topical stuff of like what Mythical's doing, I'd love to just know Maybe taking a step back, like where does your interest in blockchain and gaming come from? You said you're a gamer. Like it's a fairly conscious decision to get into this industry. Like where did that come from? Yeah. So, you know, it sounds kind of cheesy, but it, it comes from who I am as a person. Like I got into originally government and state department because I wanted to be a bridge between the United States and other people in the world. I wanted to be a bridge that made relationships between peoples better. And <laughs> while at government, I realized that it's not always as dynamic and quick moving as I'd hoped. And so I decided to leave and join technology, join gaming, because I was a big gamer. I played games with people from all over the world. I thought, hey, if I'm in the games industry, I can be an active participant in making experiences that actually bring people together. was in gaming for a while, worked at a Chinese gaming company. I worked in the United States at Fox and the gaming payment company. And then my friend, who's a serial entrepreneur, this was around end of 2017, early 2018, he's like, hey... This blockchain stuff is blowing up. We got to get in on it. CryptoKitties came out and the rest is history. I joined BitGuild. And at the time, our goal was to create a platform with an integrated cryptocurrency that supported all the games that, that were on there. And it's still a great idea. 
but it was way too early back then. It's probably still too early now. Who knows where we're going to go? But, you know, I feel that blockchain and gaming, it's an opportunity. It's a way that, that to use technology to bring people together. Conferences all over the world, you have people that uh, are investing in these digital ecosystems or, or participating in these blockchain ecosystems. Yeah, from like every country imaginable. I mean, imagine Ethereum, how many developers are there in different geos? And so, you know, it's just extremely powerful. People are flocking from all over the world to these digital ecosystems and almost becoming members of tribes, right? Tribes that bridge these digital boundaries or, or physical boundaries that we're usually constrained by. And so, so yeah, I love to be here and I hope to be part of these central blockchain companies that's actually moving the needle forward and, and giving rise to these powerful ecosystems, developing the ecosystems so that people have a place to, to play and to interact in. I think what's interesting too is that, you know, you wanted to get into the gaming industry before the blockchain industry specifically, right? And when you started your career in gaming, blockchain wasn't necessarily a thing the same way it was now, of course. Like, do you find, like, how has the overall gaming industry evolved since the inclusion of blockchain? And do you find that there's a sort of difference between people who are in traditional gaming versus blockchain gaming? Like, as someone who's not a games industry veteran, how does that play out within that industry? Well, first of all, there's a lot of knowledge about blockchain in general, right? It's not like you can just read a, quickly pick up a book and understand it. It, it takes a lot of research and, and you, know, you have to, to really put yourself into the space to figure out what's going on. So traditional gaming companies and traditional, we'll start with companies first. Traditional gaming companies, they look at blockchain as technology they don't necessarily understand. And there's a lot of companies that are actively trying to fix that. They're, they're working towards understanding it. You know, I've heard ex, like so many gaming companies say, hey, we, we hired someone recently to, to tell us about blockchain. And they actually hire, you know, like a senior blockchain member to, to inform them about potential decisions or descent, potential developments they want to do internally. So traditional gaming companies are learning about blockchain. They're actively doing it because they see it as a powerful technology that can be added into games. That's just the blockchain technology itself. Then you get into game design. And this is a really interesting part. G traditional gaming companies really good at making games, you know, but those games are based upon certain kind of principles. Usually we, we classify games into premium games or free to play games. And there's different kind of monetization mechanics that, that exist behind the scenes in those games to make them run and to make those companies profitable. Now with blockchain, you know, the game economy design is drastically different because you're, you're interacting with what we call scarcity based economy design. NFTs usually part of the value that comes from or significant value that comes from them is the fact that they're limited, right? You know how many exist. And that's very, that runs counterintuitive to traditional game design where game economies are inflationary. That is to say, the more players join, the more items the developer produces, the, those players can get those items. And so that is something that's extremely dynamic and changing, you know, by the day. We see different experiments with blockchain game design, things like play to earn, you know, even inclusion of DAOs, fractionalized ownership of certain game assets, including land or, or ships or, or planes. And so, you know, there's still a lot of experimentation. Most of it's coming from more crypto savvy, more blockchain experienced developers. But as traditional game companies come in, they're going to start experimenting as well and also probably working closely with some of these blockchain experts, experts such as Mythical. I, I think that's interesting. I'd love to maybe hear... If I'm understanding correctly, the evolution of the overall gaming industry, which might bring us to where Mythical is right now. So in terms of the business model, the way I understood it, let's say in like the 90s or early 2000s, a video game developer company 
like a Nintendo or whatever, their revenue is purely from the sale of the game. Like I bought a Super Mario 64, Nintendo 64 cartridge, or I bought like this game for my PS2. And then as time went on, you had models like what Fortnite has, where you're selling in-game items that are fungible. You sell like millions of these items. And that's like what made Fortnite generate billions of dollars in revenue over the last few years. And then you're moving on to this third layer where gaming companies, like Mythical perhaps, the way they make money isn't necessarily by selling the game up front. It's not necessarily by selling an unlimited number of uh, items, but it's through like playing into a new type of business model. Is that, is that correct? So it depends. There's different models of blockchain games out there even now. So talk about just like play to earn. It's interesting. It, it's kind of in some ways you can draw similarities or comparisons to free to play game models. That is where there's microtransactions in the game. Players buy something from the developer directly, whether it's a sword, a character, etc. With free to play, uh, sorry, with play to earn games, some of the models we're seeing right now are players have to buy characters in the game to participate in the game. You know, the most famous one being Axie Infinity. You have to buy Axies, you have to have a team before you can go on quests. But as player, once players have that team, they can participate in these quests and they're able to earn back rewards. And those rewards have certain utility or functions in the game. So you can either use them yourself or you can sell them to a marketplace that people that want to engage the game more but might not necessarily have enough time to, to get these rewards or maybe they need more rewards and they're able to earn on a daily basis. So there is some components of like that free-to-play you know, gaming mechanic there where you, players are buying things from the developer directly. But it's more of this reward system in game where the rewards can be sold as well as secondary marketplaces where, you know, in case of Axie or any other game, you can actually take that NFT and sell it on a marketplace. And that's something that hasn't existed before. And so developers are now able to participate in the secondary transaction. They take cuts of secondary transactions of NFTs. They're also able to, take, to participate in the selling of reward tokens. And sometimes they can get a small cut of that. So it's very innovative from a game design concept. What's fascinating to me is just how how much things have evolved so quickly and then sometimes in a complicated way, which I guess is maybe a good segue to understanding where Mythical Games is at right now. Because as I mentioned, in June of last year, you raised $75 million Series B. In November, raised $150 million Series C just a few months later at $1.25 billion valuation. Now, I'd love to just understand what's the roadmap or the game plan for Mythical Games. Clearly, you have grand ambitions, and you have an NFT game engine. What's the focus of, of the company as you move forward? Man, we are firing on so many different cylinders, focusing on, like, we actually have a very good core focus, which I think is one thing that differentiates us from a lot of competitors in the field. And that is, that focus is, is creating AAA games or bringing in high-quality traditional game developers and pairing their amazing game design with blockchain technology and NFT economy platforms, um, namely our own. And the reason why that kind of is different than a lot of competitors is because, in our opinion, you know, blockchain doesn't make a good, doesn't make a game good, doesn't make a game great. But a good game could potentially be made great or could be made very innovative through implementing NFTs and blockchain design. And like we strongly believe in that. And so our you know, aspirations include releasing you know, many three to four games, hopefully this year or early next year. Um, and by this year, I mean 2022. We're in active conversations with a number of game developers. And so, you know, getting more games in the pipeline that use our mythical platform, that's probably our biggest focus. Um, at the same time, we're kind of building out our mythical platform. We're, we're, we're 
making it better. So maybe I'll take a second to talk about what the mythical platform is and what components it, it has. First of all, you know, it's easiest to, to, to talk about this and how it's using, being used in Blanco's. We enable players to create a game account. They don't have to have a crypto wallet, any of that. They create a simple game account just like you would in any game. They get into the game. If they buy an item from Mythical, most of those game items, if not all those items, will actually be NFTs. And that, those NFTs will then just go to their game account. It doesn't have to go get into a crypto wallet. So they open up their game inventory, their backpack, and they see the items right there. They can then equip the items, use the items, et cetera. Do they have the option to send that to their like own crypto wallet? Get to oh, that. Yeah, sorry. yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. You're, you're teeing me up. But because um, it's, it's, it's a long process. So first they have their items in, in their, their account, in their game, game wallet or game item inventory. They can then link their account to what we call the mythical marketplace. And you know, it's a simple linking process. And then they can see the items in the marketplace interface and they can list the items for sale. They can also buy other players' items, you know, X, Y, and Z. All the items will be linked back to their account. Um, and again, there's not really a crypto wallet involved as far as the player is concerned. And we're doing this all on a layer two blockchain that Mythical owns. So we had a fork of EOS in the past, had our own instance of EOS, and that's where we're storing, where, where our ledger exists. Uh, in the future, we're probably going to be moving that. You know, more news on that later. I don't want to talk about it. But and the part that you're getting to is, you know, can those items, can those NFTs then be sent to like, externally? And we've had you know Ethereum bridge on the roadmap for a while. And that's going to be coming out in the future. Uh, I don't want to give an exact dates, but you know that our thesis is, or our goal is, if people want to move the NFTs to you know a main chain or a layer one solution, we want to give them the freedom to do that, right? Because then it's it's truly decentralized. Player owns it. It's not stuck in in our ecosystem. But at the same time, our ecosystem does provide a lot of benefits, just like a lot of other layer two solutions out there that that other leading companies are using. Instant transactions, um, you know, very no no gas costs really. So, you know, we want to have that great utility, which traditional gamers expect in terms of being able to interact with their items. But we also want to provide the, the bridge to main chains for more like, like crypto users that, that do want to have their NFTs up on main chains. I should also, last thing mention is that all of our operations, all the transacting within our ecosystem can be done in fiat or crypto, which, which is huge because um, a lot of companies right now you know, they haven't spent as much time and effort as we have making sure that the, the fiat components of their, their offering is above board and we have. Well, it sounds like you have to, to do a delicate balance because this reminds me of, if I'm not mistaken, like NBA Top Shot, you know, they, if, to, to create an account and to buy an NFT, like a, like a Top Shot moment, is kept on a wallet that is owned by Dapper Labs and NBA Top Shot, which makes it easier to understand. Like if my cousin who doesn't know anything about crypto buys an NBA Top Shot moment, he might get it and not need to create like a, a whole new Ethereum wallet. At the same time, you might have those, you know, much more diehard Web3 crypto decentralization people who find that an issue because they want to have like the true sort of freedom to take their NFT wherever they want, transfer to other places. But you got to balance that because those are two different target audiences for your company. Yeah, I mean, those are both very important target audiences. You know, we we are very much blockchain is in our DNA and gaming is in our DNA. And so we have to serve both those communities. And yeah, you know, as we go forward, we're going to hopefully bring on more service partners that enable us to offer more options in fiat, more options in crypto, and then to potentially even, you know, send your NFTs to, to more locations. But it's a work in progress. I should mention that we've, we've hired a ton of people in the last couple of years. I think we're up to like 150 to 180 now in terms of headcount. Um, so we're growing rapidly. And a lot of those hires are really amazing on the technical side, on the strategy side. 
And you know, the mythical platform, what you see now in Blanco's is only going to get better. And we're going to be rolling it out to, to uh, other games in the near future. And so I'm excited to share those with you, but they're not out there yet. They'll be out here soon. Well, I'd love to maybe dive into Blanco's Block Party, because that's like that's the, the one game that you have out right now, the main focus of Mythical Games. As you said, this year, we'll be seeing mo- a lot more of them. But can you explain what Blanco's Block Party is? And then also, I'd love to know about the work you did with Burberry, because I know one of the most interesting things was that Burberry created digital items in the form of NFTs and characters, I think, on Blanco's Block Party. And that's that's an interesting sort of collaboration that you don't really see that often. Well, I guess these days you're starting to see more brands do this. Yeah, Yeah. no, actually, you know, this is, it's going to be a fun topic to talk about. First of all, Blanco's or Blanco's Block Party. It's an open world multiplayer game inspired by vinyl toys and the hypebeast culture. And, you know, you kind of liken it to maybe like a, a Roblox or a Minecraft with higher fidelity <laughs> graphics and kind of an irreverent style. Um, a lot of fun. And it actually draws a really wide audience because you have collectors of vinyl toys and vinyl toy enthusiasts on one hand, you have like gamers on the other hand. And so it actually gets a, a pretty wide audience. It's gone through a lot of different iterations. You know, the, the three main components of it are, are, I believe, play, build, and earn or play, burn. Yeah. So you can play, you can jump into small like mini sessions where you might, might be racing or might be collecting or might be shooting. So there's different focuses of these mini sessions. You can build, so you can build your own levels, and then you can earn. So you can either buy items through the in-game shop, or there's actually opportunities through battle passes and completing objectives in the game to get to earn NFTs or to earn items. All, most of the items in the game are NFTs by design. And so, yeah, you can take any of those NFTs and then trade them on the marketplace, list them for sale on the marketplace um, as you want. So that's, that's Blanco's in a nutshell. Now, the Burberry collaboration um, was, was really exciting. And by the way, we do this with, with a lot of different external brands. We did one with TMC not too long ago, the Marathon Clothing Company. And then, the Marathon, yeah. And then we also did one with Burberry and we did one with Dead Mouse and a, couple, a bunch of artists, artists like Quakes, et cetera. And these collaborations are really neat because, you know, these brands and these artists and these, these personas are able to bring themselves or manifest themselves into our game through characters. And so usually when we do a sale with these outside of groups, we make sure to make do a Blanco as well as accessories, right? So the accessories can actually be attached to any different Blancos. So maybe you could have like a, a Burberry branded backpack, not only on your Burberry Blanco, but you could also put it on, you know, your other Blanco, your Billy Bones, if you wanted to. So that's really cool. But then the Blancos themselves, you know, touches on something that, that we believe strongly in, and that is that NFT should have utility, right? Right now you see a ton of NFTs out there being sold, like, you know, another 10K project here, 8,888 here, there. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and these, these NFTs are all cool, but these NFT groups or the, the sellers or the people behind it, they're trying to figure out the utility after the sale. And so we actually are doing it the opposite way. We create the experience first, we create the game. You know, that might change. We might have some pre-sales in the future, but our, our goal is to, to ground the existence of these NFTs in very tangible and, and amazingly fun games so that after you buy your NFT, instead of just looking at it as a static picture, or like rotating JPEG or something, now you're actually bringing it into a game. And it has a, perso- like a personality. Um, you can show it off. You can bubble it up. And so that, that is our belief that utility is going to be extremely key in 2022 and beyond for NFTs because, yeah, people want more. They want to do something with these, these NFTs they're spending hundreds of dollars on. And a, and a great game and a great experience is, is something that we want to provide as utility for these, these owners. And I just remember Burberry is really happy, was very happy 
with the sale and with the ability to bring their, their NFTs into the game because, yeah, they, their NFT and their brand really came alive in the vibrant world of Blankos. This is interesting to me as well because it's a concept that wasn't invented by Blankos, right? Like, like you had fashion brands collabing on like Fortnite in-game items and stuff and probably like even like significantly earlier than that, big brands creating in-game items is not the only example. But the difference here is that they're creating in-game items, but these are all NFTs. And not only are they NFTs, but they're NFTs with utility. And I would imagine as time goes on, the number of brands that would collaborate would increase. And also the, the, the types of things. Maybe you'll have, I don't know, like a, I'm making this up, right? Maybe you guys are doing this, but like you have like a Formula One team creating a car for Blanco's characters in the future as well as one thing that can happen. Maybe Ford builds like a, a car that Blanco's character could drive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are those are all possibilities. And we've, we've talked to a bunch of different brands, done a bunch of different IPs. But one thing that, that we hold really important to us, and this is probably coming from our, our gaming DNA, um, is that we want to provide true utility for these items and these experiences in our game, not just uh, like, you know, utility for utility's sake. Gimmick, yeah. Yeah, and then what, what I mean by that is like, if we bring cars into the game, we want to have good car mechanics. We want it to feel nice. We don't just want it to be like, some guy driving around or like, yeah, if, if you play around, logo slapped on. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, as we continue to, to build new game experiences, I mean, these new ecosystems in the future, we'll be having other brand collaborations. We'll be pulling in other IP, but, but our goal will always be to make a great game that people want to play. And that will kind of ground the value of these NFTs and also the utility of the NFTs so that we're doing good, not only financially for our brand partners and our IP partners, but also, you know, we want to bring them alive. We want to make great experiences. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, I look forward to seeing Blanco's evolve as time goes on and also the other games you guys are developing. Now, as someone who is deep in the blockchain gaming industry, I'd love to get your take on maybe at a macro level, what are the interesting trends happening? Because the way I've categorized like the most interesting stuff happening in blockchain gaming is probably in, like three categories. The first being play to earn, which we've talked about. But we can obviously still dive into if you've got more, more takes on that. The second is what I would term myself as like sports NFTs. So the stuff that like Dapper Labs is doing with like NBA Top Shot, So Rare is doing with their, their game. And then the third category is like metaverse lands where you have Decentraland, Sandbox, Crypto Voxels, which are kind of games, but also just more like open world experiences that you could term as a game, but slightly more than that. So that's my take on the blockchain gaming industry, like the three areas. Would you agree? Would you comment on those? How would you d- define what's, what were the macro trends happening? The macro trends that I would describe first, you can, I, I kind of break it into two, like a, yeah, a, a binary break. And that is on one side, you have things that are very much blockchain first and game second. And those are things where you're going to see like probably crypto wallets involved, like up front. You're going to see a lot of the user acquisition efforts, the marketing efforts targeting crypto enthusiasts or crypto diehards. And there's probably going to be some kind of very strong element of like play to earn. Like the rewards are going to be emphasized and maybe there's going to be some kind of like, you know, land sale or something like that, where again, this is necessarily targeting traditional gamers and they're not like the billion traditional gamers out there might not necessarily go towards that. And that's what we see right now. There's a lot of those games in the market and traditional games are not going to that. They're still playing traditional games. Second kind of item or or category would be games first that have blockchain elements. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so that, that is kind of what I would say we have been focusing on. Those are the kind of games that will actually bring in traditional gamers because the onboarding process is very easy. There's not going to be like pay gates of like hundreds of dollars to get like to buy an NFT to be able to participate because that would, you know, drive away most gamers. 
And the core game loops are going to be game experiences as opposed to experiences where you're getting rewards, but like there's very little skill or, or, or gaming happening actually. And so, so yeah, that's kind of how I break it, separate the two right now. And both of those have like strong user bases, you know, the traditional the blockchain experiences that are games have user users, the traditional games hopefully will be able to bridge the divide, right? They'll bring in the, the billion plus gamers that are out there that aren't necessarily crypto enthusiasts. And so that's like my first division. And then when we get into like the different mechanics that support both of those, because by the way, games first that also have blockchain elements, they can also use the same elements as you see as blocked from blockchain experiences. So land sales, you're going to have, yeah, sports and moments. Sports and moments to me seems much more collectible focused. Again, because the, the utility is in the fact that it's collectible, right? And there's probably going to be some kind of gamified collection experience um, around those items. You know, something that you see in Top Shot. So Rare is a little bit of a different beast because those collectibles can actually be used in semi-game experiences, like, like a soccer manager kind of uh, experience. The metaverses are, are very interesting because I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of metaverse-like experiences released in 2022 and 2023. Those are probably the most, I would say, traditional game-like in some way because there's plots of land. You can build on top of those plots of land. There's physics and there's game mechanics then that dictate how avatars can interact with the land and jump around. And so, you know, in a way you could say Blanco's is like that, although we don't have land sales yet. You know, obviously Sandbox, uh, Decentraland uh, fall into that category. But I think, yeah, there's also a fourth category of kind of like blockchain mechanics and games. And that is just going to be things you see in games already that are turned into, NF and into, into NFTs probably. So like imagine, you know, if you've ever played Clash of Clans, there's guilds in Clash of Clans, you know, there's also like ownership of buildings, et cetera, et cetera. Those could all be turned into NFTs in a certain way. You have other games like big MMORPGs where you also have guilds, right? And not to say like a YGG, but like in this case, the actual guild in the game, maybe you have a lord, right? To be a lord or to be the owner of a castle, you have to have an NFT. His lieutenants have to have NFTs. And so your status is actually rep represented by an NFT that, that, you know, you have to have this badge or whatever or a crown. And once you have that, you'll also have the perks associated with it. So I think, yeah, the traditional gaming mechanics being turned into NFTs into, into blockchain components extremely, is extremely interesting to me. And a lot of the conversations we're having with third-party game developers right now revolves around those. So not necessarily about, around land, all those land, land conversations happen, not necessarily around moments or sports, but around traditional game-like components. One of the things I was just thinking as you said that is if you take the metaverse lands and you take the traditional games adding blockchain components, my initial thought was that if I was running Decentraland or Sandbox right now, one way I might describe it to someone is like a Web3 version of Roblox that I'm trying to build. At the same time, couldn't Roblox just, I don't know how hard this is to do from like a tech infrastructure perspective, but couldn't Roblox and Minecraft and stuff just start creating and Fortnite, creating NFTs as items and creating, when you start buying virtual land or creating things in Roblox and Minecraft, you could just add blockchain components to make them basically a version of the central land? I'm just trying to think, how do you reconcile those two? No, that's, that's a great question. The answer, it's possibly doable. And there's several reasons why a lot of game developers aren't doing that right now. One, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So a lot of game developers are very hesitant to touch these large franchises that are making a lot of money, change them in a very significant way. But even if they do want to, and, and by the way, there's a lot of game developers and franchises out there that do want to get in the blockchain, they might be very hesitant to because they don't have the expertise internally 
you know, they have, they, they're only experimenting on a very high level and they don't have people to help guide them through it or the tech. And so that's kind of what Mythical is, is all about, actually. We have that expertise we've been cultivating over the last three to four years. It's in our DNA. We have good producers that understand how blockchain and NFTs can interact with game economies. Also, they understand scarcity-based economy design. And so we're actually actively reaching out to these game companies out there to say, hey, why don't we make new games, like similar to your old franchises or, or you know, something that you're an expert in, make new games based on NFT and blockchain game-based game economy design, scarcity-based economies. Or maybe potentially we can help you take an already existing game and bring blockchain elements into it, right? Bring NFTs, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of nuance to that because suddenly you're taking the inflationary game economy design and you're adding kind of a, this, this scarcity-based economy design element into it. But it's very doable and we're having lots of really good conversations and you're probably going to find out more information about that in the next couple of years. I don't mean to make preempt an announcement that's happening 10 months from now or something. I, I can imagine a world where Roblox 2.0 is, is built with the help of Mythical Games. But it's interesting too, because in that way, Mythical Games, that's like your sort of B2B approach in addition to like the B2C approach of creating your own games. And of course, it's probably a good idea to approach both of those things. That's fascinating. Well, I, I think about traditional gaming companies that are dipping their toes into NFTs and some of the the highlights and the news stories that I've seen recently, and a few come to mind. First was was Ubisoft talking about launching in-game NFTs. And I know since that company doesn't always have the best reputation sometimes or has angered some of their, their users, that wasn't always met positively, that news. And then Konami, I think, announced in-game NFTs. Steam in October of last year talked about banning NFTs and crypto. I'm not sure if that's still the case. But when I look at these moves done by traditional gaming companies and their moves into NFTs, what's your take as an industry expert on, on how those things are happening, those approaches, why they might be happening? So focusing just on traditional game gaming companies making announcements and, and making moves in the blockchain space, they want to try it out, right? They want to experiment. They want to they do like dip their toes into the blockchain ocean. And there is very real risk in doing that. You know, you have to manage messaging. You have to understand, you know, what's behind the blockchains. Like NFTs, is it, are these NFTs being stored somewhere that's proof of work and there's potentially like energy consumption issues involved with those NFTs? You know, how do you nip that in the bud? How do you talk to your, your gaming, like your gamer user base and tell them, hey, actually these NFTs are not bad for the environment. Here's the reasons why. How do you break it down into easy to digest sound bites? Because, you know, a lot of these companies don't necessarily understand blockchain themselves. They're going to probably attack it at a high level and it might not be good enough for, for their users. So there's a lot of knowledge and there's a lot of experience around the messaging and actually the delivering and the sale of the NFTs, especially when you're interacting with a user base that might be, you know, you have your traditional gamers and your crypto enthusiasts. So, so that's something, not to make a picture mythical again, but we also have expertise in doing in that, you know, we've, we've launched our own game. We've also had people talk about, you know, the environmental impact. We've had artists that we've worked with in their communities, you know, brands in their communities concerned about it. And we've actually gone, like, figured it out. We've worked a process internally so that we can get ahead of these potential issues before they happen, especially in terms of messaging. There's also the design component, right? Like just having one item that, you know, maybe there's only 500 of them and each one taught, like takes 600 hours or 6,000 hours to like, like to get through grinding, you know, that isn't necessarily wrong when you, when you look at it or you design it, but then the player reception is probably gonna be terrible. So you know, that's something that we've also learned through too. We've done a lot of experimentation in terms of 
price points for items, how many you should sell depending on the size of your user base, depending on the demographics of your user base. We can link sales of items or creation of items to kind of goals or objectives. You know, do you want to sell something, a couple items for higher price points because this is aimed at collectors? Or do you want to sell like an item for a very low amount of money to a vast, like to, to a larger user base? Or do you want to have items be grinded in game? If you do that, what should be the criteria to do that? Again, probably not a thousand hours of grinding, but like these are things that we've thought through and we worked through through experience, through trial and error. We've had made some mistakes and traditional gaming companies are going to have to do that too, or they're going to have to work with companies that do have that expertise. Again, pitch for mythical. Okay, that's that, that makes sense. I mean, it sounds like one takeaway, everybody should go talk to Mythical for the expertise in this space. Uh, that's great. Well, I'm bullish in the sense that blockchain gaming and traditional gaming, those words might just be blurred together as time goes on. Probably the things that need to happen are more mainstream, larger adoption of blockchain native games in order for things to become to become mainstream, more mainstream, but not more mainstream audience, which I think is a big issue in a lot of Web3 crypto companies and projects in general. Axie Infinity seems to be the best example of a game that a blockchain native game has become more mainstream. But I'm just thinking to myself, what's your take on what are the biggest challenges or opportunities to make things in blockchain gaming appeal to mainstream audiences? Is it just a matter of time and we're just early and just these things are going to evolve? Or are there other sort of factors that, that are worth considering? One is kind of like the user experience and onboarding, you know, you need to make it easy for traditional gamers to get into a game. They already expect simplicity when they play their other games, right? It's, it's the industry standard. Making a user create a crypto wallet like right up front with all these like complicated you know, seed phrases, et cetera, that's going to turn them off. And so onboarding and user experience, especially in the beginning, extremely crucial. Um, that's going to help massive amounts of, of users potentially be able to come into the game. The second part is these games have to be games first again. They have to be designed in a way that the gamers are, are, are used to. Not to say that, you know, Axie or other games out there aren't, but the game design is extremely important. So once those two things get, get nailed down, you know, to be honest, a lot of games out there are already play-to-earn games that just don't have the reward component. Because a game, there's something called a core game loop. That is a player does an action or does something, and then they get something for doing that action. And that's at the points, experience, items, you name it. And in this case, all you're doing is you're doing an action. And instead of getting an item that's tied to your in-game account, now you're getting an item that is an NFT and can be sold on a marketplace. And so, yeah, we're going to see, you know, a lot more games. We're going to see games in 2022 and especially in 2023 that are able to attract traditional gamers. And they're going to have user bases like multiple times larger than what we see right now in the blockchain gaming space. Well, on that topic, like, are there ex- things you're most excited about, putting aside Mythical Games for a second, and stuff that we've already covered on this podcast, are there any other like innovative game mechanics or games or projects that you've found super exciting, given your perspective, that maybe have already happened or launched or in development? Just love to know from your take, what's some exciting stuff happening in the blockchain gaming space maybe you haven't covered so far? Um, I mean, we haven't talked about guilds. We haven't talked about DAOs. You know, both of those things are very exciting to me. Guilds have so much power in some ways where if you can take a huge, like a large user base that is used to interacting with play-to-earn experiences, as a game developer, games need players. That's one of the biggest, (laughs) most fundamental issues. If your game doesn't have players, they're not sticking around. New game's not going to do well. 
if you work with guilds right out of the gate, you're actually able to ensure that you're going to have a lot of players and that you're going to have a lot of players interacting with your game on a regular basis, which means your game will be full, it'll be vibrant, it'll be thriving. And that that's crucial. And so guilds kind of disrupt the traditional user acquisition paradigms and paradigms around how you should go about doing publishing as a game publisher. So guilds is extremely exciting. They're going to continue to evolve over the years to come. But So could you dive into maybe a specific example of how that could help the user acquisition of a brand new game? Like, let's say, how would a guild affect a brand new game that you and I come up with that we launch All right, next so month? Tony and Sean's game coming in February 2022. Okay, best <laughs> yeah. game ever. Uh, best game if ever. we were to release the game, one of the things we would want to do is we'd want to get some of the big guilds um, involved. We'd probably want to have them are they game agnostic though? Or isn't aren't guilds attached to games? Like I, I mean, so yeah. Oh, okay. The guilds themselves are game agnostic, but to earn in-game rewards, they often at times have to have in-game items, and so they actually are extremely large stakeholders in the ecosystem of those games themselves. But as a new game developer, you know, you could think of incentives to bring guilds into your game and have those players then buying your game items, earning in-game rewards, and participating in the in-game ecosystem. So that. You know, I imagine, well, <laughs> almost all, or they should be anyways, blockchain gaming companies are probably going to be talking to guilds just about that. Hey, would your users be interested in playing our game and earning rewards in our game? And if so, you know, what kind of incentives or how can we potentially work together? So that, that kind of conversation is probably going to happen across the board with blockchain games going forward. So that's, guilds can have extreme, a lot of power because, you know, games need players, guilds have players, you know, it, it's, it makes, makes a lot of sense. As far as DAOs, this is something that, man, I, <laughs> over beers, we could talk about it for hours. But DAOs are extremely interesting because in the past, you had a centralized body pushing games forward, right? You have your game developer, they're developing the game, they come out with the content. Now, what you have is the concept of these DAOs, the centralized autonomous organizations. If they're a bunch of like diehard players for one game, they might want to participate in your game and not just participate in terms of like consuming content and doing actions. They actually want to drive the direction of the game, potentially make content themselves. And so DAOs are a way to actually pull in players, be it through, you know, giving them governance tokens in some sort, like some manner, which will allow them to make decisions or to influence decisions, or even potentially user-generated content mechanisms that can potentially, like, there are institutionalized UGC mechanisms that allow users to create content and then pull that content into the game. The game developer can do it much more easy, much more easily than they could have in the past. Wait, so can I just try to make sure I'm interpreting that correctly? So let's say a DAO is formed around a particular game and the DAO is made up of the game players and users. And a user could generate some piece of content that then gets integrated directly into the game's code through the developers. But that process happens through this sort of game user yeah, DAO. Yeah, so it hasn't happened yet. And the game user DAO would happen. That's awesome. That's really cool. By the, the game developer. And this is something I'm excited about. I would love to, to do this, but uh, it's not, not quite there yet. But what we see right now is a lot of ecosystems, especially land ecosystems. I think like Decentraland is a famous one where basically they're, all their landowners right now are basically a gigantic DAO, right? And all the content being produced on these land plots is from the community. So there's a system to create content in the game, it's ran by the DAO, which is the owners of, of the ecosystem. Now, you might see that being taken steps further in the future with actually the ability to actually change the code itself through, through certain mechanisms that are created by the game developer for DAOs for their game ecosystem. But I don't think we're quite there yet, but that to me is exciting. 
Yeah. And extremely complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so pumped to see that. I, I, I don't know when, but when you talk about the idea of DAOs and specifically applied to gaming, which I hadn't really thought about before, I totally see this happening. Maybe not tomorrow, but I, I, I love to get you back on the podcast to talk about DAOs maybe in the future. We could set up our own DAO as well. We could set up our own game, the, the Sean and Tony game, but also our own DAO as well. But this is, this is so exciting. Any, any other things in the space that you're like worth mentioning that's exciting to you? We've talked about DAOs. We've talked about guilds. Anything else that maybe worth yeah, bringing I, up? Yeah, I think there, there's one kind of discussion that I've had with some developers that's really resonated that I'd like to, to bring up again. We touched on it earlier. And that is that right now, there's a lot of NFT projects out there that the NFTs are like static images or they're like, you know, small animations, which is great. You know, there's a lot of collectors of, you know, people collect baseball cards. They don't move, they sit in it, whatever. But going forward, I think in 2022 and 2023, if you're a game developer and your NFT strategy is around these collectibles, you know, you have to ask yourself if there's games out there or game experiences or ecosystems that are providing utility to these NFTs, how do my NFTs stack up? Because I think 2022 and 2023, we're going to see a lot of experiences where there's a lot of utility for these NFTs, both in terms of gameplay, but also potentially in terms of game direction, you know, voting, governance, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if you are looking to, as a game developer, if you're looking to provide utility to your NFTs, you want to do NFTs, you have a great game concept, again, reach out to us because Mythical Platform can actually make that happen. Small pitch, but, but it's, it, it is a big thing. It is a big thing. And I personally... You know, I'm a science fiction nerd. Uh, I loved Ready Player One. The book, the movie was okay, but the book was really good. Same here, same here. And you know, th- those worlds are, are not too far beyond what we have. Like complete interoperability is extremely difficult. A lot of people gloss over the complexities of what would be required to make it happen. Is that just a technical challenge? Is that because it's just like very technically difficult or is it more just getting stakeholders alignment? I think both. I mean, right? Like if think of your games out there, you have like a Street Fighter and Mario, right? Those two games look and feel and handle very differently. And so, you know, to, if you were to have interoperability between the two, you'd have to have a mechanism that translates, you know, graphically and, and identity-wise NFTs between one ecosystem and the other. And then you have to get the two companies technologically to make it happen. And then you have to have them agree on how it happens. And then there's like IP licensing issues that probably get thrown into the mix, right? And so there's a lot of like technicalities and minutia that, that actually make true interoperability really tough. But I think we are going to see progress in interoperability in the next couple of years um, by some trailblazers. How the, the, the scale it's going to be done at, it's tough to say, but with blockchain and the ability to abstract the game economy ledger and the, the item manager, you're actually two different games, all they have to do is just reference a single inventory ledger to pull those items or to say, oh, these items could be actually accessed or, or manifested in my game. So yeah, that's another beer conversation. <laughs> we got several conversations over several beers that will happen sometime soon. Looking forward to that. Tony and Sean game. We're going to have all of this in it. Yeah, this is perfect. Okay, so we're going to have our own game studio. We'll spin out at some point in the near future. This has been absolutely wonderful. I have the same two questions I ask every guest just before we, we close up. The first is, can you please tell us where, where to find you, where to find Mythical, Twitter, website, anywhere else to find you or, or the company? And then second, any last message to leave the audience? Yeah, so first, you can find me on LinkedIn, Sean Keefe, S-E-A-N-K-E-I-T-H. Feel free to do an ad. And then you can find Mythical at mythical.games um, or you can see Blankos at blankos.com, E-L-A-N-K-O-S.com. So that's where to find us. A last message. Think about 
you know, as a gamer, for those of you that are gamers in the space, think about what brings you joy, right? What makes a game great? And if you're a blockchain game developer, et cetera, make sure to focus on that. Blockchain technology and NFT should be additive. They should add value to the game experience. It shouldn't be done for like, like money is important. Yes. But if you want to make a really great product, try to think about what gamers want and what's going to make the game more experienced, more enriched through, through adding NFTs and blockchain. And that's when we talk to third-party developers to try to find partners for our game tech, that's one of the first things we go to. It's like, how is this adding NFTs and blockchain going to make the game better, more interesting, more innovative, not how can we sell NFTs for a lot of money? That is amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sean. Thanks for listening to New Street X. You can learn more about Sean and Mythical Games in the show notes and learn more about New Street at newstreet.com. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe.